right, it's a glorious day here at Backlash Podcast. My second favorite co-host is back. Brad Hoppy's making his return. Brad, is this a uh, short-term return, or are you here for the, for the duration now? I think we should be able to work around the corners now. <laughs> it's uh, it's been kind of a wild. I don't even know. Has it been a month, a uh, month and a half, something like that, Jeff? I mean, I I think I showed up a couple three weeks ago, but. Yeah, it's been super, super busy, and our schedules didn't really line up, but uh, but I'm back. You're back. It's great. I'm glad to have you back. You know, the, the show is better with you, Brad, than without you. I think all of our listeners will agree. It's good to have you back. I'm happy that you're here. I definitely miss Carrie tonight because Carrie's not here, and, and she's been filling in admirably for you for the last, I don't even know, it. like you said, month and a half something like that whatever it doesn't matter it is what it is we the important part is we kept our you know continuous streak alive every single wednesday at 5 a.m we've still been able to uh, have that upload ready to go that load is pretty much on your shoulders jeff i mean what you do is incredible and it's greatly appreciated and uh, i can't say enough about that you know the edit work that you do and making sure that everything can comes together You've uh, you've always accomplished that task, and thank you for that. Well, you're certainly welcome. I hope that I I pull one off this week. So we're going out on a limb a little bit, and we're gonna talk to Kellen Latin Dress Latin Dress Guide Service. He's fishing over in North Dakota, and quite honestly, I've never had a conversation with him on the phone before. So I'm I'm fairly confident this is gonna go well. But usually, Brad or I will you know we'll we'll talk to a new guest, kind of feel it out a little bit. So. I'm, I feel fairly confident that this is going to work out. So, Brad, if it doesn't, I apologize in advance. But I, I think I found one this week that's going to really work out and it's going to open our eyes to a different fishery, something we don't uh, talk about a lot. North Dakota is not in our realm of, of places to talk. And we've been trying to, I mean, if, you have, if you're new to the podcast, then you maybe wouldn't notice. But if you're, you've been listening to, you know, all 130 plus episodes that we've put together for the last two years or whatever it's been, we're trying, I've been trying to pick around and get a little bit outside of our comfort zone. We've went to Virginia and Tennessee and West Virginia, and now we're going over to North Dakota. Still working on some Canadian stuff. I'm hoping to you know, get up there a little bit because we have, you know, a good number of Canadian listeners and, and we apologize for that. But again... This is, we've said it before on this podcast, this is your podcast, so if there's something that you want to hear about, some guest that you want to, you know, know more about, shoot us an Instagram message on Backlash Podcast, shoot us a Facebook message there, email us, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. I can't promise you that you're going to get an instant response on, on the Backlash Podcast email, but... You might get lucky. We might we might answer a little quicker than uh, you know than you'd expect. If you're looking for a guest and you want us to talk to somebody in particular, definitely you know shoot us in the right direction. Yeah, this this should be interesting, Jeff. I mean, you think about it. Um, North Dakota is probably not a normal destination for most people to think about muskies. Kellen's been getting some exposure. He's been on Larry Smith Outdoors just recently, and uh, man, he's catching some big fish out there. So. Let's uh, let's see what he's got to say tonight. Yeah, I'm anxious to see. You know, as per usual, we got to go over our, you know, one-minute promo. 
because this is this is the only way we get anything out of the podcast. If you make a purchase with either Team Rhino Outdoors or Musky Mayhem Tackle, that's that's what fuels the fire. That's what keeps the podcast. We'll say the lights on at the podcast, however you say. So if you need gear for your musky fishing adventures, if you're still out chasing muskies, which hopefully you are because the weather's been fantastic, maybe not the fishing, but we'll, we'll let, before we jump into the conversation, Brad, I'm going to have you talk about how fishing's been and, and what you uh, expect here for you know moving forward. But anyways, if you need gear, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. We have whatever you need for musky fishing, especially if you're looking for fall musky fishing. If you need medusas, we have them. If you need bulldogs, we have piles. And hopefully by the time you hear this podcast, we even have a few more new colors. We've been doing that for a little while. Things are getting a little bit more caught up. If you need uh, crankbaits, we have them. Uh, Boss shads, jakes, whatever. doesn't matter. We got it. We have uh, all of your needs for fall fishing. If you need sucker rigs, we have those. You can get them from... Shumway, you can get them from Smitty, and you can get them from Stealth. So apparently we got the three S's in sucker rigs covered. Um, hopefully the weather turns a little cooler and people are having more success on them from what I've heard lately. It's been a little bit rough. But anyways, Brad, let's shift it over to you for a minute. Let's talk about musky mayhem tackle. Yeah, you know, plain and simple, Jeff, it's really easy to get in touch with us. It's muskymayhemtackle.com. Check out our website. Or you can check us out on Facebook as well as Instagram and also our YouTube channel. But, uh, you know, as far as fishing goes, I mean, here we are. We're in the first week, pretty much the end of the first week of October. And I would say this, we're still fishing mid-September. We've had a giant warm-up, you know, mid-80s last week. We're in the mid-70s this week. Pretty warm, unusually warm nights. I, I can't tell you. I mean, it's basically like mid-September right now. So, you know, as far as your normal tactics, I mean, you guys have already been doing it for over a month. Stay with those tactics. That's what I would say. Yeah, I'm hoping maybe one of these days I get actually back out fishing. It's been a little while. I've been, we've, we've been getting, you know, seems like this time of year, it's almost, we'll say easier to get product, but we've been getting product after product in and I've been way behind and you know, Melissa keeps telling me to go fishing on a weekend and I'm like, I can't, I got to get caught up here. Cause if I go fishing and it sucks, I'll be mad that I actually went fishing and I'm like, hopefully once I get this behind me and you know, we can, we can get on the water a little bit more towards the end of the season. So I haven't been out much. I'm hoping maybe this weekend would be the weekend, which by the time you hear this, it would be past the weekend. So maybe you'll have an update sooner or later on uh, me actually catching a fish or two, or at least getting out and, and chasing them. Cause the weather has been beautiful for that. I'm not a huge proponent of warming water temperatures in the fall. I don't love it. I would imagine you've probably been putting some fish in, in the net though, Brad. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a strain with the warm up. It definitely shut things down for a little bit. We still were able to accomplish some fish every day, but Man, I'm telling you, the fish are super, super lazy. Um, as they come into the boat, they're sometimes three, five, ten feet behind the bait. Um, you do your first whole figure eight, and then, oh, there's a fish behind it. So, But don't let that scare you. You know, I mean, we're having tons and tons of follows every day. And what I will tell you is when the window opens, you're going to actually accomplish the task. So stick with it. Work hard and put your time in throughout the day, and you're going to probably get it done. Quick question before we jump into our conversation with Kellen. What's the pattern been? I mean, if, if anglers are hitting the water here pretty soon and, and things haven't changed as far as water temperatures drop, you know, dropping or whatever, 
Is it the shallow pattern, shallow weeds? Is that still kind of where you're finding these fish? Well, what I will tell you, Jeff, is it's been kind of interesting. I mean, anywhere from three foot to 20 foot, I know that isn't really like dialed in. The fish are scattered. And so what I would tell you is that you really need to search it out. And the, the second component to that whole deal is once you find one fish, there's multiple fish in that area. So, you know, put your time in, go to work. And actually, when you start seeing fish, guess what? There's going to be more fish in that same area. So, you know, and, and it's been a daily thing. I mean, I'm going to start shallow. I'm going to go back out deep. And I'm in between, you know, and, and the weeds are definitely a key right now. Um, but although there's been some days where they're in the bare sand as well, if you have one of those cold evenings, definitely check into the sand as well. Yeah. Wow. It's like reading a, uh, musky magazine. You didn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> it went shallow, deep sand, weeds, I, I guess yeah. keep poking around and see what happens, I guess. So if you're not moving fish shallow, check out deeper. If you're not, if you start deeper and you're not moving fish there, sounds like Brad thinks you should move in shallow. Just, I mean, yeah. It's been mind-boggling, Jeff. I mean, I, I I wish I could say, hey, you need to spend some time in 8 to 12 foot, but it hasn't been like that. Um, most of our fish have, have been literally from that 2, three, three foot all the way out to 20 foot. So it, it's been kind of a, a weird deal, but this warm-up has really set things kind of back. And I'm going to say that, you know, we start getting some of these colder nights again. It's going to be just like the beginning of September where some of these fish are going to push shallow again. And so just kind of watch what that weather's doing. In the meantime, you know, kind of fight through this a little bit. And if you, uh, if you start putting together a pattern, and what I mean by that pattern is you start seeing fish in 10 foot, guess what? Push that 10 foot mark. But, um, it takes time every day. I mean, literally I've been guiding every day. And when you're doing that, you, you have to put the time in. Once you start putting that pattern together, it's been a daily deal. So I, I can't just give it all away. You know, that's the weird part to this whole thing. Yeah, I understand. Quite honestly, like if we think back to our podcast from last October, Brad, I don't know if you remember that well, but by mid-October, I think we were afraid that we were going to have ice up by the end of October. It was that cold at that point last year. Do you remember that? Well, you know, everybody kind of panics when that stuff starts happening. I mean, it's kind of like the warm-up earlier this year. People start panicking right away. But, you know, it takes time for our water to actually cool down that far. Or it takes time for that water to warm up that far. So, you know, yes, I do remember what you're talking about. We got dumped on. I can't remember how many inches of snow, but it was somewhere between 8 and 12 inches last year, uh, mid-October. And it kind of kind of changed things up real quick, and it kind of put these fish in a tailspin. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I, I will take this weather any day. I know it's a little frustrating that we had this little warm-up in the fall period. It's never really that great for fishing, but... I'm enjoying it. That's for sure. I'm still in shorts, still in a t-shirt out on the water, occasionally in a sweatshirt. So I'm not going to complain one bit because I know last October we were bundled up and we couldn't stay warm on the water. So I hope everybody's getting out, enjoying the, uh, the beautiful fall weather. I hope they're, uh, you know, at least just taking in, stopping and smelling the roses when they're out on the water a little bit. Even if you're struggling, just enjoy the, uh, the beautiful fall weather because before you know it, it's going to be snowy. But anyways, enough about that. Brad and I have rambled on here for far too long. 
we're going to go uh, go talk to uh, Kellen and, and learn a little bit about North Dakota muskie fishing. All right, our guest this week is Kellen Latin Dress with Latin Dress Guide Service. Kind of a unique deal as Kellen isn't chasing muskies in the, I mean, he's in the Midwest, but he's not in Illinois. He's not in, you know, Minnesota. He's not in Wisconsin. And that's typically where a lot of our guests come from. He's out there in uh, North Dakota chasing muskies, chasing not only muskies, you do a lot of multi-species over there as well too, don't you, Kellen? Yeah. Yep. I, uh, chase, uh, pretty much everything, whether it's trout, salmon, muskie, walleye, bass, anything with fins, pretty much. I, I even love fly fishing carp, so I do a lot of different things. Before we get into your background, I got a quick question for you. How late do you guys typically open water fish over there? Cause I think you're temperatures usually get colder quicker than say even Minnesota and Wisconsin. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think North Dakota usually it's not something you're proud of half the time, but you look at like the coldest cities in the United States in the winter. And we're usually like, we usually got two or three of the top five. It's pretty uh, like over Alaska, even a lot of times. I mean, we're desert and it's super windy, but I'd say usually you're catching perch through ice around Thanksgiving. A lot of times, I mean, we have a couple big bodies of water and they don't freeze up till late but i mean all our little lakes are usually froze by december 1st that sounds miserable <laughs> yeah you know not, this doesn't have any, anything to do necessarily with our conversation today would you guide during uh, ice season as well no i don't no no i uh i'm a big i'm an avid uh snow goose hunter which is nothing new to this show either but i love chasing snow geese it's something i'm addicted to as far as decoying them and Usually once I see white birds flying, fishing rods get put away from me. So, Okay, cool. You know, let's kind of dive into that. We talked a little bit about what you got going on over there, but let's, you know, your first time on the podcast, so it's, you know, almost like mandatory that we you just get a background on the on the angler that we're talking to this week. Why don't you kind of talk about, you know, where the fishing addiction started from, specifically then what got you into, you know, musky fishing, because that's what most of the people that listen to this podcast, that's what they really want to know. So I'll just you know, let you kind of talk about that. If you can, you know, mention your social media or where people can find you. So if they're, you know, inclined to book a trip or they want to know more about, you know, fishing out in North Dakota, that way they can get in touch with you there. So I'll let you have it for uh, as long as you need to kind of lay out the background for the, for everybody that's listening. Yeah, for sure. So North Dakota, we're blessed with a lot of uh, wildlife opportunities and not the population or the people or the pressure as uh, the rest of the United States. So growing up, I mean, opening day of deer season is a national holiday here. Like no one goes to school on opening day of deer season. And I just grew up like every other kid here, pretty much uh, fishing, hunting, duck hunting, pheasant hunting. I had two uncles that kind of raised me up for fishing. And I had a dad that worked a lot, so he didn't uh, get to do as much as opportunities with the son, probably as he liked to. But as far as, uh, but I just fished my whole life pretty much. Got into some tournaments at a young age for walleye fishing and like local tournaments and just always had an addiction. At the age of 14 years old, I had a little boat that I bought from down the street and I uh, had a little Mazda truck and I burned a lot of gas. Learned how to network as far as I got on a lot of good pheasant hunting land. I mean, it was hard for a farmer to say no to a chubby little fat kid that had a bag of walleye that wanted to shoot some roosters. So. I learned that that uh, got me on a lot of land at a young age and just, I was, I've always been a nut 
Like I spend a ton of time on the water, uh, way more than my wife. She's probably going to listen to this podcast. I probably shouldn't even guess how many days I'm on the water, let alone in the field. But yeah, that's how I kind of got outdoors. I had two, two really good uncles that were like dads to me that I used to spend a lot of time in the, the hunting blinds with them and chasing whitetails, everything. But, uh, as far as musky fishing goes, one of my best friends uh, from Minot here, that's where I live, and probably, I think it was 2012, he'd always just, I don't know, watch YouTube videos of muskies, and me and him were always kind of pike nuts. Like, we, we love casting big lures for pike, and if we weren't walleye fishing, we were, we were chasing pike or, or smallmouth bass, and uh, we were watching videos, and he's like, oh, we should we should try this musky thing. And at that time, North Dakota, we did have, a couple bodies of water held muskies. We had one um, called New John's that had some pretty big ones with a density level of super low. There was super low. It's gotten better. But, I mean, back then, like 2013, 14, I mean, I remember going like 10, 12 days where we never caught a fish out there. I mean, it was it was a grind. And uh, But anyways, how we got into it is he one day is like, Yellen, let's go to Minnesota. There's a muskie show. And we literally packed up for the Minneapolis muskie show. Didn't know nothing about muskies. Uh, walked through the door. And $2,000 later, I mean, a couple of rods and handful of baits, I uh, was kind of set up for what I thought I wanted to do. And went up to Lake of the Woods. And on a self-guided trip, pretty much, we just booked a place at Miley's Resort, had no clue what to do. And we went out and we fished for, I think it was six days. And we our boat landed three. I never caught a muskie. I seen lots of muskies. I came back to my office. I'm an insurance salesman. Came back to my office. I'll never forget this. I came back at like midnight. And I'm sitting in my office at 10 a.m. the next morning. And I'm like, I got to do it. And I called two buddies and I was on the road by noon back up to Lake of the Woods because like just the challenge and like the, I said this the other day, it's a, it's a puzzle piece that doesn't end with muskies. Like I, I was bit, even though I hadn't caught a fish, I was bit, like I had to do it. And, uh, that's how I got, got into muskie fishing. I went up the second trip and I think we spent five days up there and I caught 12. So I went from getting skunked to, putting 12 in the boat and I was hooked and you know one thing I love about this podcast is when you get to hear the stories about guys starting out muskie fishing or even the ladies that we've had on nobody jumps into the ranger boat you know right off the bat they're always starting out in a little 14 footer and essentially they're guided by passion it's it's cool to hear guy you know all the anglers that we talk to just how passionate they are about chasing fish and in, in spe- you know specifically muskies and you're no different there and like I said I always love the stories because like I said it's very rare that you know any of these anglers that we talk to just you know have have it all right from the start they're just basically out there just because they love being out there on the water and they'll get out on the water with anything that floats and you know like you said with your 14 foot boat it's cool I love those stories they're great yeah you talk about the passion it's like a sickness as we all know but I, tonight we, my wife has a moose tag, so in 12 hours from now, we're going to be, uh, chasing moose. And tonight we were scouting and we had like just the perfect musky weather. We had some cloud cover, some unstable weather, and it that really triggers them out here. I'm sitting here looking at like two or three big bowls 
And I actually caught myself telling her this. I'm like, I'm like, God, I wish I was in a boat right now chasing muskies. And she looked at me kind of, I both got backhanded because this is her once in a lifetime tag. North Dakota, you only get one moose tag your whole life. And here I am. I already spent so many days in the boat and my brains on muskies is I got the binocs on moose on three bulls and three cows. It doesn't leave you. That's for sure. I think one of the things, Kellen, that maybe relates back to this is that, you know, the hunting side of the world, you know, you can put it together with the musky fishing. I mean, hunting muskies is part of the gig. Anybody that likes to hunt is passionate about hunting. They generally like musky fishing. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it is the chase. I don't know if you at Jiggy Anderson or Jeff Anderson on the show, but He's a guy in the musky world I met early on, and, I mean, that's his saying, the chase. That's what he always would say in the boat with me, is the chase. And, I mean, it's, he, he, definitely, it's like pattering a buck. I mean, pattering, you you figure out patterns for certain lakes, and, um, I don't know, you put them in the memory book, and it's a lot like hunting, for sure, 100%. So, Kellen, I'm not very familiar with North Dakota musky fishing. In fact, I had an opportunity potentially to go on that trip because you were on Larry Smith Outdoors recently, and that's um, obviously you've been a customer for TRO for a long time too, and you know we really definitely appreciate that as well. But uh, I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it over there, and I didn't re- even realize how good the fishing can potentially be over there. I'm not familiar with the, you know, North Dakota as a musky, you know, destination or however you want to say it. How many different lakes have muskies over there? I mean, is there one spot or is there many spots like let's talk about that a little bit yeah for sure no the lakes i think there's seven lakes that are on record that have muskies in north dakota so and they're scattered all throughout the state um there's only one in the western half a few in central and a few right in the eastern part of the state they all have pretty good numbers the oldest one that has always had is called new john's that's probably the oldest lake with muskies in it and that one, the numbers are fairly decent now. Um, it carries the largest fish by far in the state. The other ones are all kind of catching up, but we got a lot of emerging fisheries that are sustainable. I mean, numbers that are that are doing really well, and the fish are really adapting well to a few of the lakes. Like, I mean, they're putting weights on really good. Their success rate, the survival rate, what our game and fish have found has been great. So, I mean, it's a it's it's exciting. Now, are these lakes kind of like Minnesota lakes where they're all pretty big or, you know, size-wise? What are we talking about? They range. I mean, one of the smallest lakes is probably wood. And, I mean, it's got great musky fishing all the way up to the largest one is probably Audubon or Ashtabula. Guess how many acres they are. I don't even know. I know that's on the North Dakota Game and Fish websites probably. I mean... Both bodies of water got to be, I'm guessing, 20,000 acres, 15,000 acres at least, lakes. I, I guess I don't know. I've never, that's a question. I, I've never looked it up. There's definitely lots of water to fish on Ashtabula, Audubon, and on New Johns. I mean, they're all pretty good size. And even Tashad is a pretty good size lake. Yeah, most of them are pretty good size, except for the exception of wood, I would say. Wood, wood fish is quite a bit smaller. I think wood is only right around 200 acres so i guess i don't know how compared to you know minnesota and wisconsin you guys have a lot of bodies of water that are smaller so maybe i don't i don't know what 200 acres is if that's an 
average size lake or pretty small over there or what? Uh, I would say, I mean, Brad, you can answer that better than I can, but I'd say most of your musky fisheries in Minnesota are fairly large bodies of water. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question, right? I mean, when you start talking acreage, um, it just depends on where you are in the state, obviously. But I would say most of our musky body bodies of water are 2,000 acres plus. Yeah, which is, you know, far cry from Wisconsin, where I would say the majority of our musky waters are probably less than 600 acres, I would guess. I guess I can't answer that, Jeff. I mean, I, I haven't done the research on Wisconsin, but I mean, you have some large bodies of water over there as well. But, I, you know, as far as the platform of musky implementing, I, I don't know how you'd say it, but um, stocking programs and what have you, I, I don't know, you know, each state's premise on how they actually look at that. Right. The other difference too is, I mean, the sheer number of them that we have. I mean, I think somebody said there's like 600 musky lakes in Wisconsin. So he's got seven. We have 600. What do you guys have? Like a hundred? Man, you know, I, I should know that number and I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember what it is. There's several lakes that are, that are original musky lakes that, you know, kind of provide their own thing. As far as stocking numbers of lakes, I, I can't pull that one out of the hat. Sorry. Quick Google search. One of the lakes that he's mentioned there had, uh, is almost at 15,000 acres. So uh, definitely not small bodies of water over there in North Dakota, that's for sure. Lots of places to fish. Yeah, for sure. All right, then the other thing we're going to want to talk about would be, you know, like bait fish. What are we, these muskies, what are they feeding on? Like what's making them grow? Yeah, so, I mean, we have different lakes. Most of our lakes in North Dakota all have perch. I mean, every every lake in North Dakota has perch, so that's a food base, and a lot of them. And another thing that most lakes have, all our prairie lakes have suckers. Some of the bigger lakes have a higher population of it. The, the big ones, so like Ashtabula, Audubon, New Johns, especially Audubon has a, a huge Cisco base and New Johns, uh, Cisco and suckers. Um, I'm good friends with a couple of the game and fish guys, and they've done some stomach sampling on them. And the, our primary on those lakes has been suckers and cisco for bait fish. The smaller lakes, I mean, perch, smallmouth bass are in the, most of those. We have in North Dakota, I don't think there's a creek chubs out in Minnesota and Wisconsin or not. But we don't get all the fancy minnows like the red tailed shiners and stuff. We get we get uh, just your regular fathead minnows, and we get really big creek chubs like up to 9, 10, 11 inches, and that's a, that's a common food base out here, too, is forage. So do any of them, you know, a lot of talk always about Cisco's and things like that. Do any of those bodies of water have those in them available for muskies as well? Yeah, so Cisco, Cisco and Audubon and New Johns, definitely there's a lot of Cisco, and I've found that they relate a lot to them, too. I mean, they... I, I don't think our musky lakes fish much different than I fish Minnesota a lot too. I mean, I fish a lot of Western Minnesota, like Detroit lakes area waters I have for the last eight, nine years. And I mean, the, a lot of the patterns translate to our North Dakota lakes. I mean, there's a musky still a musky, at, at least for my eyes over here, it seems that way. And I mean, in June and July, you see a lot of, open water or 
a lot of the patterns that correlate with what we see over here. Is North Dakota, what, what's the season over there for you, Kellen? That's one positive thing that we've had over here, Brad. Like, we don't have a, a closure in our season. So, we, we it's, it's a positive for us, I guess. I mean, we don't have the fishing pressure. So, we don't have to, we, don't, we can fish in May if we want. Um, I have tried a little bit early in the years for muskies, and I haven't had much luck. I mean, it, I, even though we can fish in May and June, uh, right on Wisconsin closes or not, but I think, Brad, you guys are like May 15th, aren't you, for muskies? Is it, or is it uh, June 15th? Our muskie season is the first Saturday in June every year. Okay, yeah. No, we, uh, we can, I've tried muskies in May here, and uh, it doesn't close. And as far as muskies go, um, I haven't had much success early in the year. And I've, I've definitely, that's a puzzle piece I've tried to figure out, uh, especially on the bodies of waters that hold the bigger ones, because I, I like to try to catch one in May. And uh, I have, they, they're definitely tougher, for sure. There's always a lot of talk about, you know, 80 degree water temperatures. I'd imagine you don't probably see that too much of an issue where you're at. We did a little bit this year, Jeff. It was probably it was probably in September, but it was only for about a week. Not even a week, I don't think. And I don't know if our fish correlate to deeper water on average or what, but I mean they're it's pretty rare that I have a stressed fish in my boat. It's crazy. I don't know how many and at Larry Smith's show it shows a couple and there's one I just get drenched from. I mean but I don't know how many times I've taken three, four pitchers with a muskie. I mean, you definitely try to get them in and out of the boat as quick as possible um, if you want a picture of them. But, I mean, I've definitely had way slower releases. I don't think because they're younger. But uh, I I can think of one fish that I've been worried about in the last three years of targeting muskies in North Dakota. Um, I mean, they're usually hitting the backside of your hand when, when you let go of them. Is most of your fishery tiger muskies, or is there trues as well, Colin? So we have piers and we have tigers both. All the lakes have, I think all the lakes in North Dakota have both of them. I'm not sure on that statement at all, but I'm pretty sure. There's a couple, I don't know if wood has piers or not, but we have, I would say, like on Audubon, Ashtabula, and New John's, it's almost a 50-50 mix. Like it, I would I would almost say it's more tigers than peers now. Do you feel that, I mean, they're two different critters, right? So, I mean, are, are you fishing, does your structure, what you're actually trying to accomplish out there, correlate to the trues versus the, the tigers? If you're asking, like, do they pattern different? Is that your kind of question? Um, yeah, that, that's where I'm going. I would say 100% they, they pattern different, like, Right now, it's been this last couple of weeks, we've had a really, really good bite the first hour of daylight. It doesn't matter what the moon phase is. doesn't matter what the moon's doing. It's just been, I don't know what it's, what's been going on, but the, last, the first hour, the two hours of daylight have been great for peers. I have never chased tigers anywhere other than North Dakota. We've gotten a tiger up at Lake of the Woods. We're fortunate enough to get a 42-inch tiger the one year up there. Um, but I think they're kind of like unicorns up there. I guess I don't know. I, I haven't heard of too many being caught up there. The tigers here, it seems like daylight, mid midday, you catch more. The, the tigers definitely relate to to deep water way more 
than the peers do. And they're a blast. I love the Tigers. They, uh, they're way more aggressive. I mean, you're getting, I haven't had too many Tigers coming on the figure eight. The, the bigger ones do, but like you're 38 to 40 inches, just crush bait. So the Tigers, from my experience, like they, they like the deeper water and they'll run adjacent to steep breaks a lot more. And as far as the baits go, um, I mean, they, a muskie, an aggressive muskie, when she wants to eat, it'll, it'll hit or be the same as a tiger, I guess. But you get, you get way less follows of tigers and the tigers seem to, if you're going to catch them all day long, if, if it's a bad day as far as moon phase or, um, you don't get any majors. The tigers do not follow the moon schedule nearly as much as a, a pier does, at least in my eyes. It doesn't. But as far as colors go and bait selection, they're they're very, very similar. I probably catch more tigers on rubber than I do, um, but that's just because I'm fishing deeper in the water column for them. What is the DNR actually uh, uh, doing with the, the stocking program right now, Kellen? Is it is it mostly tigers or is it trues as well? So they've done, they did peers the first three or four years and they've always had some musky lakes, but they kind of reinvented the wheel, I guess, or started doing it again. And I want to say it was 2011. And I think they stocked peers up till 2015 and then they kind of cut them back. They were still doing, they were doing some peers, but a lot less rate. And now, for the last three years, they've only done tigers. Uh, the price of piers, the last time I talked to my buddy from Game of Fish, North Dakota was buying, like a pier was running like $24 a fish, or like 22 bucks. And I think they're getting tigers for like 8 to $12 a tiger. I, I don't know, I don't have to ask them, but it's, it's like a fourth or a third of the price. So, as far as that goes, it's almost like an economic thing for the state of North Dakota. And I wish they would do piers again. And I've, I mean, we don't have any, we have a Fargo's Musky Inc. chapter, but that's one thing that's kind of like maybe one of my things next in life I want to try to do is, I mean, we're getting, we are getting musky attention. I mean, there's, there's quite a few locals that are starting to fish them. I mean, I'm not the only one that the walleye fishermen are looking at cross-eyed wondering why the heck is he throwing a 12-inch bait. Um, there's quite a few boats now that are, you go out on a Saturday, and I think last Saturday I seen, Last Saturday, I was on the lake called Audubon, and I had 12, 12 or 13 boats I seen fishing muskies. A couple of days prior, I was on New Johns, and I seen probably four or five at least, and that's a smaller body of water, um, where 10 years ago or eight years ago, you'd only see me, pretty much. I mean, you'd see one or, one or two boats, so we're getting more interest, but I think I think if we could get a Musky Inc. chapter started up here, maybe show some more support. We'd like I'd like to get peers going again because our peers, I mean, we're getting some really girthy fish. I, I guess, Brad, I think you fish some of the western lakes in Minnesota, and I think that we're going to have a fishery in five years that mimics a lot of those and has just as big as fish, if not bigger, as far as girth goes and weight. Yeah, that's awesome news, Kellen, that's for sure. The next question I guess I have for you is, do any of your bodies of water actually touch the Missouri River? I mean, are we seeing that uh, any of these bodies of water are tied together? 
that uh, the potential of the Missouri River becomes part of that? Yeah, so Audubon does touch the Kakawea, and this year they did a big repair on a highway that divides the two. And, I mean, they've, I don't know how many gallons of water. They've drawn down this lake eight feet now, and I've had buddies catch muskies. One of the oldest guides in North Dakota, his name is Clayton Folden. Um, he's actually, actually, I think, the National Fishing Hall of Fame, but just a good old boy, wears bibs every day, and he called me the other day, all gruff, and one of your darn muskies way out here in Huntsalong, which is like probably 120 miles west of Audubon. He had a picture of it. It was like a little 28-incher. So uh, they've definitely got into Kakawea now. And, I mean, that's something that the numbers I don't think are over there. But if I had to guess, like, 10 years from now, Brad, I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't be surprised if some walleye fisherman catches our state record over there because anyone that's fished the Kakawea knows that it has a huge Cisco base, like monstrous. And it's got smelt, which I don't think the muskie will expend like their energy on a smelt. I mean, it's a smaller bait fish, but I don't know. The, the pike over there are some of the fattest pike you'll find in the United States, so I think that the, the muskie will do just fine over there, too. Yeah, the touch base, Brad, earlier, kind of wrote back, you were asking about our DNR game and fish. On average, right now, North Dakota pumps, I don't know about the other, all the little lakes, but like the four main ones that they, they stock, they get roughly right around anywhere from like two to 3,500 fish in the fall. And then they do it in the spring too. And they found, I, I have no clue how you guys stock out there, but I, I mean, I, I keep in touch with a lot of our game and fish here and they're kind of always interested about how the muskies are doing inches, you know, girth, what I'm really seeing. And they've somehow, I don't know where they get this from, but they say that our fish take up, take way better in the fall than they do in the spring. So, They've kind of weighted our stocking for the fall, and most of our fish that they stock, I want to say, are in between 15 and 18 inches long when they put them out there, the tigers. So, but right now we're we're strictly just a tiger-based fishery as far as stocking over the last three years. One of the, the other questions that I would maybe have, Kellen, is the Red River. Um, have you heard about muskies being caught in the Red River? No, I haven't. I have not heard of the muskies getting to the Red River yet, but the Cheyenne, Brad, I think the Cheyenne, I, I'm almost 100% positive it dumps into the Red River. And Ashtabula, below Ashtabula, is a river that goes through Valley City, and it's, I mean, they catch them all the time in the river down there, and they catch them all the time in Ashtabula. Ashtabula has been an amazing muskie fishery so far, and they've been done really well over there. So, yeah, I, I think you will see them in the Red River. I mean, it might just take some time. You know, I mean, you think about that whole system, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, when it comes to the Missouri River, you were spot on. I mean, if you think about that whole system, it's an incredible system. And I think all of your lakes out there, they're super fertile. I mean, it, it's prime musky water, that's for sure. And I think uh, the North Dakota DNR definitely sees the potential in what it could be. And obviously you do as well. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. I mean, I've, I've gotten to travel. I guess I fish a lot of Minnesota. I've been out to Lake St. Clair, and then I've been up to Lake of the Woods. And not, I don't think anything, maybe you guys can relate to it. I'm, I'm guessing you have Brad, and I don't know if you have Jeff or not, but I don't know if anything will ever top for me Lake of the Woods. It's like a sickness up there. I, I mean, me and my wife both, she loves muskie fishing. I'm blessed to have a 
a spouse that en- enjoys it just as much as I do. My little boy caught his first uh, Lake of Woods muskie up there this year with my dad. And, I mean, my whole family's addicted. But I would say besides besides Lake of the Woods, like, there's not a fishery I'm more excited about right now than what I've seen in North Dakota. I mean, North Dakota is – I've had some really amazing days out here. And uh, the fish aren't quite there for size yet, but the growth rate of what they're doing right now is incredible. I mean, just this last month, since we even since we filmed that show with Larry Smith, I mean, I've just seen them just pack on the weight. I mean, these fish are really healthy. Uh, Jeff Van Mortal was with him. I mean, he, I remember he caught the last day, I think he caught, I don't know if it was him or me, caught like a 34, 35 inch, and it, it didn't look like a muskie. You know, it almost looked like a part, partially like a perch. I mean, the, the belly that hung on it, I mean, it's, there's, they're definitely thick fish out here. Are you comfortable um, maybe discussing what size fish you are catching right now, Kellen? Yeah, 100%. A lot of the fish out here, I mean, I'm learning. I learn these fisheries every day that I go out there right now. I mean, they're, these fisheries were pretty much virgin fisheries. So, I mean, last year I fished the fall pretty heavy for the first time. This year I'm fishing the fall. I would like to more, but I probably... I mean, just with guiding, with my family life, it's been tough to get out there as much as I want. But we're most of our peers, it seems like, run anywhere from 38 to 42 inches. I mean, I've had them up to 45 and a half this summer. I think was my biggest peer. Uh, Game and Fish has had two, I think, 48 and a half inch tigers now that they've had. Um, one was caught by a walleye fisherman. I think the other one was dead, if I remember right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure on that one, but I've seen multiple 46 and a half inches caught by walleye fishermen as far as Audubon and Ashtabula go and wood and the newer lakes. I mean, we've caught, I've had a 53 in my boat out of New John's before, and there's been plenty of 50s caught out of there. A um, little bit lower density lake, but as far as tigers go, the tigers, I would say an average tiger right now runs about right at that 41-inch mark, 42-inch mark. Um, I've seen them all the way up to 45, but uh, you got a healthy number of tigers from that 37-inch to 42-inch range, I would say. How long has this program been in existence? That question, I don't know. I know that they kind of, like, like I said earlier, they reinvented it or made a push again i think it was in 2012 or 13 is when they started really pushing muskies again brad out here so i mean they they dabbled in it i mean even devil's lake devil's lake's one of the lakes that a lot of people don't realize have muskies in it devil's lake had i want to say a tiger that was caught last year that was 47 inches out of it a lot of these big bodies of water i mean north Dakota tried muskies i don't know 10 15 years ago and I don't know if they didn't take or if they just didn't have the interest. Like, I mean, you guys have got to live through this whole musky boom. I'm, I'm kind of a baby compared to you guys. And, I mean, social media, everything else is kind of, I don't know, I think we can all agree that it's maybe made muskies more visible to the world and more, I mean, people get, I would have never, I would have never musky fished if it wasn't for YouTube, probably. I went to non to go, go to Lake of the Woods or that there was a musky show in Minneapolis. And here I am guiding for him 10 years later, you know. 
with technology, the transfer of information takes, you know, seconds nowadays where before in order for word to spread about a particular bite or a particular whatever, it's over by the time it happened. I mean, it was literally word of mouth essentially. So it was, uh, it's definitely a whole different animal. I, I think social media has been good and bad and we can get into that some other, some other day, but I mean, it's obviously, like you said, it's good. Brings It brings to light the uh, opportunities people have out there nowadays to catch big fish. And I think that's why we're seeing a boom in our sport. And I think, you know, like you said, oh, there's 16 boats out there. Well, I wouldn't say that's completely unpressured. I mean, there's a lot of lakes that I can go to in northern Wisconsin where I'll be the only boat out there. I mean, so it's, but, you know, with, with the pressure out there, I mean, I'm not saying that's a lot of pressure, but... It's, I, I, I'd like to think our, our sport's going to continue to grow and uh, technology is definitely to blame for it, whether it be good or bad. I mean, I think we can argue that all day. Yeah. But with that being said, like game and fish, the one guy, the one guy I talked quite a bit, I mean, they said that they've monitored my, my social media just for the fact that they're seeing, they're seeing something grow right now. And in return, I mean, they want return on their investment. So they, it is a business. I mean, North Dakota Game of Fish, much as we like to think they, that's a whole nother soapbox, but I would say so much better like to think they care, but they, they care about the business. They want license sold. They want Brad coming from Minnesota. They want guys coming from Nebraska to, to chase, whether it's walleye, bass, muskie, whatever it is. I mean, they, they want these fisheries being used and the exposure to 16 boats out there, that tells them that someone, you know, these fish have value to them. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully they see this. Hopefully they listen to this podcast. Hopefully we get, we we can get some peers going again because that's where Brad. I'm like really excited about. Like we talked about size earlier. Like, I mean, we're just getting some pretty amazing looking fish coming out of that fishery right now. And as far as like 42, 43, 44 inch fish, like some of the stockiest fish I've seen, and the little bit of fishing I've done across the midwest i guess so it's really cool to see what's happening out there that's for sure kellen and i i it's bound to explode i mean i just know how fertile your your bodies of water are out in the dakotas both south and north dakota so it's an incredible thought to think what we're gonna see here in the next five to ten years yeah i'm excited i love it you know, Brad, he brings up a good point, though. We don't really talk about it on the podcast. Is like the business of fishing. I mean, he's certainly right. North Dakota wants to have better fisheries so they bring more people in, you know, much like all a lot of these places do. Whether we like it or we don't like it, it's good for business for North Dakota to have a better fishery. Same as it's, you know, we could talk about Green Bay. I mean, that's huge for business up there in Green Bay. I mean, the local economy is better for it because of... You know, there's bait shops and all, I mean, all, think about all the revenue brought in just off of, you know, boat launch every day. That's, it's big, it's big dollars to those places to, uh, you know, to have good quality fisheries. Definitely it's, um, you know, it's a plus to the, to the area, that's for sure. And in some cases, depending on how they manage it, it's only going to make the fisheries better, right? If they continue to put money back in the resources. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, I can tell you from, Years and years ago, I mean, I've I've battled the No More Musky group here in Minnesota. Um, it kind of switched hands, and uh, thank God it's kind of disappeared a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that we always had in our back pocket was is that musky anglers are true. I mean, they want to go fish. 
they're willing to spend money. That means through your gas station, through your local resorts, your hotels, your bait shops. The key part to that whole deal is the dollars that are generated based off of muskie anglers. So North Dakota sees it, they know it, they understand it, and guess what? They're going to exploit it. Yeah, it's it's interesting listening to him talk about this because it reminds me, and like I said, I revert back to Green Bay a lot, but it reminds me a lot of that, Brad. I mean, if I could look at when I started fishing Green Bay 15 years, 16, 18 years ago, whatever it is, it's been a while, maybe even longer. Heck, I don't even know. Like, it's it's been a while. It reminds me of that because you had that that fishery where, I mean, he sounds like he's not catching 50 inches. The, it sounds like the chances of getting one are very slim. And in the beginning, when I fished Green Bay, it used to be the same thing. It was a good quality fishery, had a lot of numbers, so it definitely kept you interested. You had a shot at, you know, a 45, 46, 47-inch fish, maybe pushing 48, which in my opinion, those are still really, really nice quality, targetable fish. And, you know, then it's he's got the potential to watch this thing explode yet because, you know, those fish are only going to get better, bigger, assuming they are practicing, you know, catch and release out there. Like how, how are the ethics as far as that's concerned out there, Kellen? That's one of the things that kind of is hard over here for me to, I think that North Dakota is way behind on. I mean, the game and fish has done a good job of putting signage up as far as keeping muskies. You can't legally keep them here unless they're 48 inches. The educational part is just lacking here. I mean, we have a lot of people in my insurance office. I had a guy, two years ago that came into my office and Kellen, look at these, these pike I got this weekend under the tip up. And he goes, I got two that were silver pike. And I mean, anyone that knows this podcast knows where the story's going. I mean, two out of the five are muskies and he was a 70 year old man. And I mean, I, it's hard to get mad at him. I, I explained to him afterwards that, you know, these are, these are muskies. I ain't, I ain't no hybrid pike or anything, but we, we have a lot of people out here that, uh, we're a good old farm country. I mean, we don't have, we're close to 700,000 people, the whole state. So we don't have, besides Fargo, a lot of our, our fishermen that, that fish these bodies of water are your weekend bottom bouncer spinners people. And they, they eat pike. They love pike. So I think a lot of our muskies kind of get taken from on accidental, actually. I mean, in game and fish is trying to do a better job. They're, they're putting up signage at the boat ramps. Um, as far as handling the fish goes, I don't know. I I mean, I, th- I think we're probably behind on that too. You know, I, I try to, anyone that comes in contact with me, I mean, no one knows what a Nipex is on you for the most part, so I try to, you know, make sure you got hook cutters, make sure you got the proper release tools. Like we said earlier, though, I mean, we do have your actual water temp. I think our lakes do run on average colder than the rest of the, the rest of the, the states that hold muskies. So I think your mortality rate is a lot less. I mean, I, I do see a couple muskies every year floating. Um, but I think most lakes people that's common in other lakes. I mean, I've, I think this year I've seen two dead ones all, all summer long, but I don't know. There's probably, probably a few in North Dakota that get put on the play table and put in a can. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. I mean, education is obviously the best way to go about it. And I mean, honestly, if, I mean, I think as musky anglers, we all hate to see it, but unfortunately we know it's, we know it's a possibility and we know what happens. And, you know, like you said, you try to do the best you can to educate people without trying to be, 
you know, arrogant jerk, that doesn't that doesn't solve anything either. No, I I couldn't agree anymore with you, Jeff. I'm new to the sport, but I that's one thing that's been a turn off for me. I mean, I had a gal at Lake of the Woods this year. Um, she probably does listen to this podcast, but she uh they heard her husband were from Wisconsin, they, they had a hard time finding fish and the one night me and my little boy sat down and we kinda showed them some points. And the next day she got a fifty one and three quarter. She was all excited, but right away she showed me a picture. And here she is holding it vertically. I felt bad for her. She made a mistake of putting it on social media, but she had no clue. And she was, she was just so excited to catch a fish, like a, a muskie up there. And she got a big one. And she just got pillaged. And I don't know. I think, I think sometimes as muskie fishermen, we got to remember that you know you want to attract people to the sport, not be snobs, and you want to be, I don't know, a sportsman. And part of being a sportsman is probably taking the educational route other than throwing rocks at them. So, uh, yeah, the way to approach people sometimes can, that's a whole nother soapbox. Well, I would agree with that, but I'd also say, you know, from, with your point, we all started somewhere. Like I don't, we, we didn't all get here where we are now in our musky journey overnight. So, you know, the longer you've been on it, you hopefully, you, you, you know, pick up pointers here and there to, you know, to better the fishery, essentially, leave it in a better condition than when you left it. And, you know, I think, I mean, I'd like to think that I'm better at releasing fish now than I was, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, I, I cut, I cut hooks a lot faster now than I ever did before, before when I first started, I mean, I just paid $20 for a muskie bait. I mean, heck back then I probably only paid 10 for it. And I was like, oh man, that's a lot of money. Cause I'm used to buying, I think, you know, little, little walleye baits were probably two or three bucks back then. And Maybe I spent 15 on this bait, whatever. You know, so you were more mindful of that stuff. And now it doesn't even matter. I'm like, I have so many freaking musky baits and so much money there. A hook doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm just, you know, I'm cutting that stuff as fast as I can. I don't measure as much as I used to measure. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go either way. If you want to measure a fish, we've talked about it plenty on a podcast. By all means, measure the fish, do it as quick as you can. You know, so we just all need to be mindful of that. And, you know, like you said, with the social media thing, unfortunately, think somebody always said to me like you catch more bees with honey or something like that you know that if you can try to educate without being a jerk that's just always the best way to go about it for sure i you said we all started somewhere my first musky ever caught a lake of the woods i killed 100 percent. didn't mean to caught it on a crank and inhaled it you think that a kid that buys a bunch of stuff at the musky show in minneapolis the first time would buy hook cutters but as i went to all these bait makers i never had a hook cutter and I had no clue. And uh, our pike out here, I mean, they're, they're hardy. You can put them on shore for, you don't do it, but you, you can put them on shore for 10 minutes and throw them back in the lake and they'll swim away fine. I mean, they're, I didn't think I'd ever kill it. And the next day we went to the same spot because it's the only place we caught a fish. And I'm like, oh, there's a bald eagle on the shore. Well, guess what? I had the same size muskie I caught the day before. And that's what the bald eagle was doing. I was eating and it was, it was 100% the fish I caught. So we do all start somewhere. I think we've all held the fish wrong or we've all, you know, made, made those mistakes. And as a sportsman in life, whether it's fishing, hunting, whatever, hopefully you, you grow from it and you're a better person and a better angler and you're a better product 20 years down the road than you were 20 years prior. Yeah. Well, we talked about the good and the bad a little bit, or we talked about social media and how it provides some good and bad. Unfortunately, I'd like to think that the way people treat each other on social media is that's part of the bad. I mean, it's really disappointing to read certain comments and I'd like to think that if you were face to face with that person, that you wouldn't say some of the things that I see said about 
things. And unfortunately, I I feel like, and I I could be off. You know, I've always said it sometimes, like big fish, big drama, big ego. You know, and so that's kind of what it is. I think some people, it's you know, jealousy. If they see a 51 incher that somebody held vertically, it makes them feel better if they, you know, tear into them or something. I don't know. Like I'm just often offering a hypothesis on, on behavior. I just, I never understood it and I, I wish we didn't see it, but I, I mean, I hope people change for the better sooner than later. Yeah. The only, the only thing I was mad about that story was a 51 incher. She, she ruined my son. We came we were on the way back and from North Dakota and my little boy was talking to his mom on the phone. He goes, yeah. When I get back to Lake of the Woods, I'm I'm fishing with Missy from now on. I'm not fishing with Dad. She catches fifty inches. And he was he was selling me to the wolves. He uh he was upgrading, he was finding a new partner. So that was the only thing that <laughs> bummed me out about that deal. So it's quick how it's funny how quick they change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey Kellen, out of curiosity, how old is your son? Uh eight and is nine now. And uh, you know, that's I could talk for days about Aiden. I mean, he's, he's taught me a lot in life and he's, he's taught me what it is to be a true sportsman. He, two nights, not two nights ago, three, four nights ago, if you follow my social media, I didn't talk about it yet, but I have a Latinist guide service on Facebook and Instagram. I don't use my website anymore. Um, long story, but I don't use my website. My cell number is 701-720-6510. Anyone wants musty trips, but, I put the, the buck on social media. My little boy got experience me uh, shooting a really nice four by four, I don't know, three, four nights ago. And my two year old Ollie got to help me uh, find it the, the next morning. But so Aiden's nine and he's a, he's a musky nut. He loves it. Um, Brad. Well, there, there's nothing more special than having the youth involved. And uh, obviously you're putting time and energy into that. So that, good for you, Kellen. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, Kellen. So we're, you know, getting close to the end of the conversation and, you know, typically this one hasn't been a lot of the tips and tactics, but mostly because we're trying to lay out the, uh, you know, lay of the land for there for North Dakota muskies. I can't say we've had anybody on that's talked about them at all. So, you know, this time of year, we're looking for maybe a tip that you can offer up the listeners to try to help, you know, make their fall a little bit more successful. So one thing lately that this is past week, I think I've had three or four guided musky trips. And one thing I've really noticed this last week is our weeds are really dying down in our, in our waters. So I've been paying attention to our weeds. I've been paying attention to our side scan or my side scan, my down imaging, the spots that have maintained like good weed growth, like, like good vegetation as far as green weeds. I don't know out east if your guys' weeds die off in the, the winter. Out here in North Dakota, most of our weeds do. And uh, the, the stuff that's hanging that's still got good vegetation, good good green, leafy stuff has definitely uh, held more fish. That and, I don't know, our, like I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, our, our early morning, not so much low light periods because the night hasn't treated me as well. And maybe I'm just, Maybe I'm just not as good as good as fishermen at night. I don't know, but the the early mornings have definitely treated me a lot better. And uh, the fish you can definitely see transition from shallow to deep as far as sunlight goes. I mean, if you have cloud cover, they'll hang shallow a little bit. Or early in the morning, they'll uh, you'll catch them up shallow. Um, but as the day progresses out here, they've definitely you'll you'll see a transition, uh, especially if you have a bright clear skies and no clouds. So 
I would say my tip is pay attention to your downscan and your, your weeds. Um, our uh, weeds have been key for me lately. Excellent. So, Kellen, you know, we want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule, coming out and, and talking with us. We really appreciate it. It's awesome hearing about new fisheries, up-and-coming fisheries, and uh, something to pay attention to in the next few years. For anybody that's looking to, you know, come out to North Dakota and book a trip with you, how do they go about doing that? I know you'd mentioned it a little bit earlier, but why don't you give another shot at it? Yeah, so the easiest way for me is my cell phone. Uh, shoot me a text. I don't answer my phone when I'm guiding usually, but you shoot me a text. At the end of the day, I'll, I'll get back to you. 701-720-6510. Um, Facebook, uh, Latin Dress Guide Service. I have a Facebook and Instagram page. And I do have a website, but don't use it because I... Uh, I'm not active anymore, and uh, I do have an email, but I'd rather you just call me or uh, shoot me a Facebook message because that'll get a lot quicker response. Yeah, I know for a fact if you Instagram message him, he'll have no problems replying replying back to you fairly quickly. So if you if you want to go that route, you can do that as well. You know, like I said, Kellen, earlier, I just want to thank you again for coming out. I want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with us week after week month after month. Um, it's been, it's been great. I mean, you know, we're not quite done with this year, but the podcast continues to grow. We gain more listeners every single week and, you know, we're very thankful for everybody that is so loyal to us and, and, uh, you know, takes an hour of their time to, to, you know, catch up on fishing with us. And, you know, we definitely appreciate that. So with that being said, we will, uh, we'll catch everybody again with a new episode next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys.